Who wants a joke? Let's do a joke. Okay. <laughs> so uh, some of you are young enough that this won't really make any sense to you. One minute you're young and fun. The next minute you're turning down the stereo in your car so you can see better. <laughs> Did you know that Raymond Burr had a twin son? A twin brother. His name was Tim. Tim Burr. Yeah. You can groan, it's okay. All right. So I was driving uh, Uber tonight, and I picked up a girl from the dorms at UNCC. I don't even know what that is. UNCC. She sat in the front, and we were chatting when suddenly she sneezed. Now, I didn't realize it while talking, but she had a glass eye. And when she sneezed, her glass eye came flying out at me. I caught it, I handed it back to her, and she popped it in and said, thank you. Somebody's cell phone's going, yeah. I didn't know what else to say. So we rode in silence for the rest of the trip until we got to Ree Ra's Irish pub in uptown Charlotte. When we arrived at the bar, she turned and asked if she could have my number. I was flattered because she was so pretty, but I told her I was happily engaged. She smiled at me and she said, what a shame, you really caught my eye. Charlie, go ahead and do the uh, PowerPoint. So, um, you know things can go wrong with messages, and I've been working on this message all week, and it's been in my heart for more than that. Um, this picture that you could hardly see, I have it here, I can pass it around actually. The block that you can see up in the, uh, let me give you a little bit of, bit of background. How many of you know that we were in a different church until 2009? Really big church, yeah. My kids all loved the children's ministry, but the children's ministry had gone through a lot of upheaval. And one probably morning, my daughter, Alyssa, was on the stage, and then the Lord showed her this vision. And, and she was facing the possibility of leaving that ministry, of leaving all the kids that she loved, and this vision that she saw was up there on the left, you can see this big block of towers. The, the big blocks, they're duplos that represent the church as it is now, safe, staying the same. It's good, but not really moving. Then the blocks started to come off. I saw this when I was standing on the stage in the community center. When they first, when they came off, once the tower was taken all the way down to its foundation, so that up there on the right, the pieces could be evaluated. Things were said that I could hear. This one is broken and it will affect the product. This one is very useful, but it is in the wrong place. This one will fit here. And then on the bottom picture, once the pieces were reorganized, then the block tower was able to grow. It even continued past the stage. It was able to get bigger because all of the pieces were interlocked. When one color tried to go off by itself, it collapsed without the support of the other blocks. Now the reason, thank you Charlie, you can take it off now. The reason why I'm even bringing that up right now, um, we're obviously in a season of change. We're in a season of shaking. The phrase has been in my heart, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That goes for your relationships with people. That goes for your circumstances. That goes for um, 
your job, your income, the things that you rely on. My daughter Alyssa and I were talking this last week. Um, I don't know if she'll come back up in this. So that was her picture vision. And then we had a conversation and she said that it's been so hard for her to get motivated. She hates Zoom, but all of her classes, she's, um, she's attending uh, a college in Austin, Texas, and she's trying to get two masters and right in the middle, like everybody else, school's gone. Everything's being done online. Nobody's going to campus. So everything that she was doing, part of it was a job and part of it are her classes. Uh, all of the familiar pathways were taken away from her. And so she didn't know how to navigate. And because normally you go to your job and you know what to do and you get productive because you've got things to do and tasks to accomplish. And when you're not in the normal pathway, you're not sitting in your office, then you've got to accomplish that job back at home. And there isn't that push behind you. There isn't that normal around you to encourage you to move forward. So everything that was normal to us is gone. Uh, and let me get back to my notes. So the intensity of the season, we're all, uh, what did you say it was? Are we being called to the, kid glove, gloves are off. I feel like we're being called to the mats. Is that what it's called? Mattresses. Called to the mattresses. There's a, a place of, of war. Yeah, I'm not sure about that phrase. It's the Godfather. It's from the Godfather, and I don't watch the Godfather. Check, check, check. Okay, back. Here I am again. Um, I don't need this anymore. Let me put it down. We are, we are confused. How many of you are confused? Yeah. What are you supposed to believe now? Who are you supposed to listen to? And the church is confused. I mean, for months, we haven't even been able to gather here. We've been doing the streaming thing, and that was new, and all of a sudden, um, so much change, but it's change almost every single day. Something new happens. And of course, we would say that God isn't the author of any of this. God did not design the COVID virus. God did not create the circumstances for George Floyd to be killed. That's not who our God is. God is a loving father. But is God in it? Absolutely. So I go back to that vision that my daughter had. And often when I get, how many of you get visions or pictures or words? Yeah. Often when I get those things, it's like, oh, that's for right now. You know, God changed my heart. I want to, whatever. And I saw that it came back up in my drawer upstairs. And uh, I thought, wait, God, that's what you're doing right now. We can't be that block of Duplos that can't move, where everybody is contained in one place. And I feel the shaking in my own personal life. Um, I'm totally off my notes now. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
I had a vision, uh, I actually had a dream many, many years ago. Um, I, it was probably when we had been at the other church for at least three quarters of the time, and we were there for about 25 years, so it was a long time. And in this dream, somebody from the worship department was in this race car, and he was driving, and he was happy, but he was kind of just uncaring about what was going on around him. And he, and I, and I watched him go by, and I remember thinking, he's going to take somebody out. He's going too fast. And so I tried to follow him, and he ended up at the bottom of the hill, and so I'm up on the top of the hill. I'm looking down at what's happening. And this guy is uh, being pulled out of his car, and he's being arrested by the police being put in handcuffs and the bottom of the hill at the bottom of the hill there's this river and um, there's a bridge going over the river but he's being arrested on this side of the river and I'm like okay God what's that about because I woke up and I didn't know what it was about what oh, I gotta stay over here I have to stay over here because <laughs> the Mevo is not following me so I apologize to every person that really wanted to be watching me <laughs> intently um, maybe I'll just stay over there and they can just listen. <laughs> I really hate the camera. Um, so, let me see, where was I? The, the, the dream. And uh, the word that the Lord gave me was half-hearted. And I believe that the man represented the church. Now, this is not a word. I'm not going to get critical of the church. God loves the church. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us individually. He loves us corporately. And he has a firm determination in him that we are going to become his purified bride. But we're being arrested on this side of the river. We're in a stopped place. And I believe that we're not going to be able to go over the river into our inherited land, into our promised land, until we finally get it. Again, this isn't a bad kid's message. During this uh, crisis that we're going through, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that, uh, like I said, that's something that keeps getting repeated in my heart. It's thundering in my heart right now. I've talked with many of you, and I think most of you could repeat back to me one of the things that's really uh, thundering in my heart about this season we're going through. I'm like, I don't want to go through this time unchanged. When uh, the Israelites were on the way through the desert and they came up to that river and they sent the spies into the promised land, They've gone through a whole lot of stuff and they've seen the hand of God supply time after time after time. Manna from heaven and quail and water from stones. Um, and they sent the spies into the land and the spies come back. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's good. But there's giants in the land. And so the people got afraid, and then they started complaining. And what was some of their complaints? Does anybody remember what their complaints were? Yeah. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. 
Another thing that came out during that time is if we could just go back to Egypt, we had it really good there. Yeah. Where everything was normal. We were slaves, but everything was normal. We knew how to make bricks. Yeah. We knew what to do. And I, I've actually heard that. Can we just can we just go back to normal? And we start railing at the people that are keeping us from gathering. You know, it's their fault. It's those politicians. It's those scientists who don't know any more than we do about the COVID virus. It's, you know, there's always somebody to complain about, isn't there? But when you start complaining about the other people that are putting you in this place that are causing all of this to happen, you're taking your eyes off of what we're supposed to be focused on. Well, let's, not, let's not focus on all of those others that are putting us in this place of pain. Let's focus on, okay, God, I'm submitting myself to the work of your hand in this place. You did not design this. You did not create this but you're sure going to take advantage of it. And if we're, going to, if, if we're going to become who it is that God wants us to become, then we're going to embrace it. We don't run away from it. Yeah. So personal testimony time. Um, I'm just going to be authentic here. I'm going to be a little real. Can I do that? Um, yeah, me. <laughs> um, I do not have it all together. Can I just say that? So my husband and I, yes, Jesse. Oh, he does, yeah. I don't have it all together, but he does, yeah. So my husband and I are spending a lot of time together. Some of you are spending a lot of time with your spouses. And you know, it's funny, when you don't have the old ways of being and doing, the old ways of escaping, the old ways of numbing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How many of you are spending a little bit more time running to the store? <laughs> How about those COVID haircuts, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Most of you know Charlie and I is somebody, they're pretty civil with each other. You don't usually see us fight. In fact, I would say that we didn't really know how to fight. Both of us were raised in um, some traumatic circumstances. Getting angry or being around anger isn't safe. So we just didn't. We bury our anger. But these circumstances themselves are such that it encourages anger. There's frustration in it, and we can't hide it anymore. And we don't want to be the source of the other person's frustration, but you know what? We are. 
Uh, it doesn't help that my husband really wants to learn how to communicate. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's just not talk. <sighs> it's been, for me, the most painful time of our marriage. We're talking 34 years. 33. I keep saying 34. <laughs> just this year especially. Boy, this has been 34 years. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have to choose to cling to that we're going to come out as pure gold on the other end. But I want to just share this because I want you to know you are not the only one that's going through stuff. I don't want to go back to normal. If we're going to go through this season of pain and of shaking, I want to see the gold. How many of you know that there's a desire in your heart to run away? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me while I use my Kleenex. Huh? You want to pray right now? Oh, prayer is a good escape. Yeah. Let me just numb myself in God's presence. Sorry. I mean, that's good. Yes, it is. But let me just put a butt on there. <laughs> Yeah, prayer is always good. Soaking in his presence is always good. As long as you're going into his presence going, okay, I got this problem. I'm finding myself wanting to run away. My husband and I aren't communicating well. We're having fights and we've never fought before. I mean, that's a good thing. Um, let me get back to my notes really quick. I did good. I, I want to say really quickly that um, there's this verse in Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline feels pleasant at the time. Yeah. And it feels a li little bit like we're getting a spanking, but it's not from a bad kids, bad kids. It's a, okay, you got to learn this. So receive the discipline. It's not punishment. It's discipline. The Lord's working us into a place where we can go and conquer the inheritance on the other side. I've heard a lot of words about revival. I, I love the thought of revival, but I know I'm not ready for revival. Um, I know that as a church body, we're not ready for revival. Um, Maybe revival will come in such a way that we just all get wiped out and all of our crap gets exposed and we deal, start dealing with our crap and then revival comes. We're probably prime candidates right now, right? <laughs> but it's not going to come because we're so holy and we've got it all figured out. Yeah? It's a huge changing time. Most of you that are here know that we even received that letter of default. We don't know where we're going to be as a church in, in another year. Um, we'll still be meeting. We don't know if we're going to be able to refinance. We don't know if, we just don't know. I mean, we're all in a season of we don't know. So God, what are you going to do? But again, we're going to go through this season. We're going to be so much closer Somebody was talking with me 
uh, last night or yesterday. I'm not going to name any names. Uh, I'm just going to preface this a little bit with, you know, I'm afraid of anger or at least overt anger and poor Charlie can't hide it anymore. He says as, he, as he's getting earlier, he's getting more irritated, more easily irritated. Is that right? What did I say earlier? As he gets older, <laughs> he gets more easily irritated. And when you've got two people in a room, my assumption is it's me that he's irritated at. Maybe he's irritated at the circumstances, but maybe he's irritated at me. And so then you get two people that are kind of tippy-toeing around. No one make waves. Let me just not talk about that subject. Wait, what subject was that? Because we were onto a new subject and he's still irritated. <laughs> I, you can't run away from it. You got to embrace it. And I'm, I'm not one that likes to embrace those kinds of, of things. But uh, there was another phrase. Confrontation was the word. I hate confrontation. Is it like right there? Right there. <laughs> oh, you made it. Thank you. You're so smart. What? It is. It is a time of confrontation. And it's not a confrontation where we're supposed to shove our Bibles in people's faces and confront them about their sin. My old pastor used to say, he'd be preaching and he'd say, Something like, oh my, and then you say, oh me. You just point the finger at myself. I, in fact, sometimes I believe when I see people carrying Bibles around, uh, this is just me. I think of them as kind of religious, and it makes me uncomfortable. Religious, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't really want to know me. You want to be able to prove something to me or show me in the word where I'm wrong, you know. Um, this is a side note, obviously. This is not going to come up again in 11 o'clock service. <laughs> Maybe it will. Oh, yay. <laughs> um, so uh, confrontation. Charlie has said before, what time do I go to? I didn't even ask. 15 after. Oh, I'm doing good. Confrontation is a doorway to intimacy. You love confrontation now, don't you? I love that. <laughs> um, I've started to feel more free to go to God and confront him about things that are going on in my life and the freedom that I want to find. I've been able to confront him and tell him things that I'm really angry about, but not very often. But what about going to that person that you don't know so well and you don't know how they're going to respond? You want to be intimate with people here, um, but if we're going to be, uh, it's not up there anymore, if we're going to be that church where all of the pieces are being fitted well together, you can't do it if you're not talking to people about their stuff. And you can't do it, you can't do it if you're not able to receive somebody else's confronting word. I want to, uh, it's something I highlighted here. There's a whole lot of stuff I probably didn't cover. I would, I would want to say that complacency as a church is 
that man that's being handcuffed at the bottom of the hill. God is looking for a passionate bride. And when we're running away from dealing with stuff in ourselves or stuff in other people, we're yielding to the fear instead of being passionate about him. We're looking more at our circumstances instead of letting the circumstances push us to the Lord, push us to connection. Um, I've, I've uh, well, anyway, yeah, complacency, uh, spaces where we're just going through the motions, where we've been really comfortable. Uh, I'm not going to point any fingers, but some people really have their seats in the church. Includes me, right there, right back in that back row. Yeah, yeah, we know it. We all know it. <laughs> I, this is not a comfortable time. So taking the things that we're going through and laying them at the feet of Jesus. Submitting the areas where he's exposing. I didn't talk a lot about getting triggered. Um, But this is a season where we're getting triggered. And then triggering is connected to old areas of trauma in our lives. And so those things, we're getting triggered. And again, those things we need to lay down at the feet of Jesus and go, okay, this is yours, but I'm going to embrace it. When the Disciples were in the boat and the storm was going around. They didn't run away from the storm. They had to speak to the storm. They had to see the storm. They couldn't numb themselves from the storm. So this is not a comfortable time. And I want to say here, but I don't think there's anybody here, if there's uh, somebody here that's feeling, I'm glad that message wasn't for me, I'm going to say you're wrong. You may not be going through a lot of the stuff, but you know people around you that are. But I'm pretty sure everybody's going through stuff. So I asked the Lord if he had anything to say to me the other day when I was journaling about this message, and I want to just give it to you. I would ask even that you just close your eyes and receive this. And you you can wrestle with it, You can say, okay, I'll do it, Lori, but this isn't for me. That's just fine. That's your prerogative. Yeah. So what the Lord told me is, I know your heart. I've seen the challenges, the grief, the turmoil. I have not accused or blamed you for the emotions that are in your heart. Everything you go through has a redeeming purpose woven into it. Can you speak to others of Jehovah Sneaky. I am always for you. I will always provide a way of escape. I will always be the peace in the midst of the storm. I will always be your anchor. I hold you, my child. I croon over you, hush, little one. And my breath lights on your face. I am always close to you. I am not powerless, but powerful. I am always caring. My spirit speaks to you constantly, words of love, words of insight, words of wisdom, words of compassion, words of hope. The world may be shaken, but I am not shaken. Your circumstances may be shaken. Let me be your firm foundation where you will not be able to be shaken because I am never shaken. I am never worried. 
I do not wring my hands wondering how everything's going to work out. I take all of these things and I've already planned out how they are going to work out for your good and for the good of the world. So rest upon me, rely upon me, trust in me and my goodness. I will never fail you. So Father, we say thank you. We know, Father, that you are not the author of evil, that you did not design this, but we know you're in it. And we say, yes, we'll take it. And we say, if we're going to go through this, Father, we are determined that we get every drop of goodness from it. Would you change our hearts and the places and expose the hidden motives of our hearts so that we won't back away from things, but we'll embrace them. We'll embrace your goodness. We'll look to see your hand working in our lives and in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.